before we get started with this episode, we wanted to give Kenneth Olabode's business a shout out. KBO Builders is a full service general contractor and builder. At KBO, they provide a wide range of work, from bathroom renovations to full gut remodels. You can visit his business's website at kbobuilders.com. Thanks again to Kenneth for chatting with us today. Welcome to the Folsom Frenzy Podcast. My name is Jake. I'm here with Sirius, Chase, and Sam, and also a special guest is with us today that we're very excited about. This podcast is going to be all about this special guest, and this special guest is an honorable mention All-Pac-12 Honors player. He's second-team All-American by Pro Football Focus. Um, he was part of the magical 2016 Rise team. He was a member on the defense for that team. He was first in tackles. Also first in tackles for the Pac-12 in 2016, fourth in tackles for the country in 2016, second in tackles for loss that year, second in interceptions, fifth in sacks, and also scored a crucial touchdown that year. So with that, we are very excited to have with us Kenneth Olabode. Kenneth, we're, we're glad that you're here to join us. Um, with that, we have a few questions for you, but we're very excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, my first podcast, you know, I listen to a lot of them, so this is it's awesome to be on one. Sweet, cool. So, so Ko uh, on past podcast episodes, we've all talked about our history and how we ended up at CU and our connections to the school. A few of us are legacies. Our parents went there. Chase, myself, uh, grew up in Colorado, uh, like Jake. So you grew up in Colorado and then Sam, I don't know how he ended up at CU. Actually, I can't remember his story. It doesn't matter, <laughs> but you know, I, I thought it'd be great to start off by talking about your journey. Cause I believe you're originally from the Bay area, correct? Correct. Yeah. I'm from San Jose, California. Um, went to Bellarmine college prep is private school in San Jose, all boys. Um, and really my journey to CU is actually kind of, I feel like it's pretty interesting. Uh, when I was a going into my senior year in high school, I went to the San Jose State football camp. Um, and that's where Coach Mack was the head coach at the time. And a lot of that coaching staff that came with him to see you was there. Um, after going to that camp, you know, they called me into the office. They, you know, gave me a verbal uh, scholarship offer and I was committed. I was ready to go. And I went to on my visit and everything with guys like Ryan Severson, um, Chido Bay Awuzi was there. Um, a lot of guys were, were really gearing up to go to San Jose State with Coach Mack. And up until he left, I guess that was like January, I'd say. It was like, yeah, January or December of uh, like 2011, 2012. And I mean, I was kind of worried. That. I was like, well, I don't, I don't really want to go to San Jose State if Coach Mack isn't going to be the head coach. That's who I committed to. That's who I really wanted to play for. Um and so I was doing anything and everything I could to get his phone number. And we were actually able to get in contact through, uh, you know, through his wife and through Jay, who went to Valley Christian. And with the help of Cheeto Bay, who's his mom as well, we got some more, you know, phone phone numbers and emails. And we were able to finally reach out to them. And um, and I had to decommit from San Jose State in order for them to give me, for Coach Mack to give me an offer to see you. And I was I was very excited. My oldest brother Kyle played at Stanford. It was you know Pac-12 school, and they were really good at the time. Like they were going to Orange Bowls there, and you know in the New Year Six. And so I was just hyped to be able to play in the Pac-12. I didn't really care what CU's record was. I just wanted to play at a high level. That's great. What what about Coach Mack made you wanna wanna play for him so badly? Um, I'd say he, other than just being you know like a great leader, a great father, football coach. He set the standard for like, you know, just being a good man in general. And one of his big things was that he was recruiting, you know, young men to, to obviously play football for him, but also like he wanted to help you succeed in life after football. You know, I know in high school and throughout my time at CU, we'd always say ball is life. But as I'm living now, I don't even play football anymore. It wasn't going to last forever. So he really, you know, like, was like a big father figure and wanted to make sure all of us grew to be good young men and, you know, um, husbands 
in the future and fathers in the future. So you, you kind of talked about, you know, you, you went with a group of guys from San Jose, say uh, Cheeto, um, obviously Coach Mack's son. You know, you guys were obviously the class that was that was different, um, the celebrated 20, you know, 2016 season. When did you kind of get the sense that that group of players was going to be special? Um, was it kind of surprising to you? I know it took, you know, college football, the college football world by storm. <laughs> Um, did you guys kind of expect that? Did you have like a quiet confidence or, or how did that kind of come about? Um, I would say 20, it was 2013, all of our freshman year. Um, we were playing at Utah. You know, we had no hopes of a bowl game, but we had a lot of older guys, you know, get hurt throughout the season. A lot of us freshmen were playing in that game. Like I got to play a bunch in that game. Cheeto was starting in that game. Addison Gillum was playing. Uh, Jimmy Gilbert played in that game. Sefo starting at quarterback. Uh, Tedrick Thompson got to play in that game. Tupo obviously was playing. Samson. We had a lot of guys that ended up, you know, starters for us in 2016. All got to step on the field in that game, and that was our first taste. I mean, not that it was like a super close game or anything, but that was our first time stepping on the field together. And I think that kind of gave a lot of those guys like a little bit of a quiet confidence. Um, and then coming into 2016, I think we all just kind of had a chip on our shoulder. We had our defense was we had what, probably 10, I'd say either nine or 10 seniors starting on that team that true seniors all played, you know, previously and had a lot of experience. I think we just like as a defense just wanted to go out there and show everybody that we could play. Like there's a lot of games just throughout those years that we lost on one possession games or like, just silly mistakes we made that, and we felt we could compete in the Pac-12. We just needed to win. We just needed one big game, like the Oregon game, to kind of give everybody a lot more confidence to take it over the top. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of the fans and students. I know the rest of us have been reminiscing on those years. We do remember those years being kind of lean, but also really falling in love with the team because it, it, you felt like you had a personal connection as a fan to the players. Since you know. We were coming off of really tough season 2012, which is how Coach Mack ended up at Colorado. So it sounds like you guys had a positive experience in terms of getting playing time and all of that. But was there anything else amazing about that experience of kind of rising up together through, you know, some lean years up to that amazing run 2016? Um, I just, like, we were all just tired of losing. We're tired of getting, you know, excuse my language, our ass kicked every week. Um, and it just was, you know, I think just having guys that we all we all lived together were guys that got recruited to San Jose State. Um, and I think just day one, we all wanted to compete. Like we felt since we came in with the new head coach that every every position was up for grabs. Like there was no, you know, there was no, like nobody was really safe. And regardless if you're a fifth year senior, you know, a junior that's been starting for three years, like it was almost like an even playing field is how, we as freshmen might have looked at it and we all just wanted to step on the field and make a name for ourselves. Um, yeah, I mean, we went a lot of tough summers, like out there working out together. Um, and just, I mean, <laughs> I agree, you know, but the way we lost like games was, it would really bring people together. It would really bond you guys, you know, um, it either separate you and like everyone point fingers or you can come together and, um, and, you know, actually like, figure it out and figure out how to win. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was such a magical time. I remember being in college and like CU football was at the end of every joke. And I'm like, no guys, they're actually competing now. Like something's different. Like it's going to happen. I promise. And I was defending the team and it was, it was really cool because when you were a freshman at CU, I don't think the champion center existed. Right. And it sounds like no. you committed before even visiting. So they right. were even building up the program alongside you guys but I kind of want to ask you said you guys were getting the off-season work in like even like on your own who were some of those leaders on the team that really took the initiative to put in the work and were also like the positive voice in the team um Sefo for sure on the offensive side um I mean I wasn't on offense all that much George actually George Frazier was a big one and then on the defense there's like guys like Cheeto um, Ted, Akello, shoot, I, I just feel like once we just like all like to, like, we're a lot of like, uh, so competitive against each other. Like, 
um it was like oh you, this guy like was out there working like doing one-on-ones like oh, i gotta beat him like i gotta get a pick today i gotta i gotta show up and you know be the first in the sprint or whatever it was we were just all so competitive and we just like would go at each other it was it was non-stop whether we were playing call of duty we were playing video games together or whether we were out there on the field um we just a really 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 competitive bunch Really quick, Sam, before you go, who is the best Call of Duty KD on the team? Uh, shoot, if I remember, it was either Cepho or Cheeto. Okay, okay, there you go. All right, from someone that has seen Cepho Lufau's leadership firsthand at the CU Rec Center from being on a pickup <laughs> basketball team, um, I totally agree with you on that first part of him being a leader. But I think really the most important part to any locker room is who has the aux cord and who is putting on the music. I just want to know who was who was putting on the soundtrack to that magical year in 2016. A lot of the good guys from uh, SoCal guys, all the LA, most of the receivers, the Blackout Boys, I'd say Bryce Sheffields, Bryce Bobo, uh, Devin Ross. And then we would help the guys out on Wednesday. We had White Boy Wednesday. So we'd let them play some country music. <laughs> We let the linemen get a hold of the ox for a little bit. Uh, but it was a lot of the SoCal guys. And, of course, you know, uh, a few of us being from the Bay Area, we try to put people on. It's a lot of that Bay Area music as well. I'm just curious. I remember um, in 20 – it must have been 2015, I suppose. Um, Chris Fowler um, tweeted out that generally when you see teams rebuilding, you have big losses like you saw in 2013, and then you start to lose by a little, then you start to win by a little, and then you win big. Um, obviously 2015, 2014 were probably not, you know, 2015 was one of those seasons where it seemed like everyone, you know, the team was really close to getting there, um, but wasn't just quite there. Obviously in 2016, your class kind of took leadership and was, was the seniors in the clubhouse. Was there anything else that was kind of different that year um, that kind of sparked that change? Or was it just repetition from constantly getting better um, that kind of pushed you guys across the finish line? Um, I'd say repetition for sure. But as a defense, um, I think a big turning point was, I think it was either in the spring, I can't remember spring or summer. Um, we had to do stadiums as a team, and uh, Coach Levitt was out there. You know, he's he's an older guy. He was out there running the stadium with us, like as a team, which was like, I mean, it was kind of crazy. Like I, I had never seen like, especially an older coach get out there and put in work with us, and he was going up and down the stairs. I mean, not as fast as anybody, but he was there. You know, he's putting in the work with us. He would show up to summer workouts and he would run gassers with us. Um, and I think that was huge. Like, that was like, that was awesome to see a coach come out and put in work with us. And he wasn't just like barking orders down on it, down at, down, down at us. He was actually out there willing to do the work too. Like, if you had someone on the sideline who was willing to put in the work, it was really easy to play for somebody like that. Um, it was really easy to turn it up and give everything you had for somebody. So speaking of the 2015 season, one of my favorite memories from that season was that CSU game. And <laughs> hey, oh, you had a huge play in that game. What do you remember about that? Oh, also, also a huge game, just to give some context yeah. to, to the listener. 17 tackles, I think that was your all-time best for a, a single game. And then obviously the big play. But yeah, K.O., what, what was your take? Um, especially being on my birthday too. I think, uh, my, was it yeah, my 20th birthday? Um, just like, I just remember we, they kept coming out and running screens like on third down and me and Rick had been like, we've been talking about like, you know, we were ready for a screen, get ready for a screen. They threw the screen and like Rick was on it and ball went up, grabbed it and just like got a huge block from Cheeto, took out a lineman and a couple guys and like, that was probably, other than the Michigan game, the loudest like roar in the stadium that I've heard. Um, and I had my a lot of family members there as well. Like it just was unreal experience, um, like unreal moment for sure. Definitely a moment that like forever will live on. Probably I tell my kids about for sure. Uh, but like that was, yeah, that was a, that was an awesome moment. That was dope. Was there an uh, was there an appreciable difference between obviously you know Colorado fans were on one half of mile high, um, Colorado State fans on the other half? Could you kind of tell the difference in the sound volume, or is it just so overwhelming that you know you just hear the noise and as you're walking into the end zone? Uh, it's definitely a, like a 
I definitely definitely like you hear the sound because our fans were behind like behind us, majority of us. And so I was going into CSU, like where all their fans were into that end zone. So it was just awesome to see all the stunned faces and like the quiet how quiet it was on their end and I could just hear everything coming from behind me. Um and just like I think it was either Cheeto or Ted, someone jumped on me, like tackled me in the end zone. Um and yeah, that like that moment I think was like, all right, like we we got this game. Um we could definitely put them away here in the fourth quarter. Um but yeah. How hard is it when you score a touchdown like that and you're running into like the opposing fans not to do something like stupid to them because i feel like i would get the most unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in the world if i was running towards the csu students like how do you stay composed or is you like how like what, what's your mindset when you when you when you reach the end zone like that honestly i, I was very tired like th- that was like a <laughs> it was a long drive like and then it was i think it was like 60 yards or whatever it was so I was extremely tired, uh, and I just like really wanted to celebrate with my teammates. Like it never really occurred to me to like jump in the stands or do anything to them. Uh, it's like it's kind of crazy when you when you do score like or like when you're thinking about scoring a touchdown, you're like, oh, I got a dance playing out, or like, and shout out to all those guys in the NFL to like to remember to do whatever they planned on doing. Or when I scored, like everything went out the window. Like I was just happy to score a touchdown. I wanted to celebrate with my teammates. He wasn't the same, similar situation in the Utah game, um, except a little different. Our, uh, it was, you know, obviously we're at home game, and um, usually the dancers are in that corner. And my fiance Meredith was on the dance team. So I, my first initial reaction was kind of turn and find her, but I don't think they were in that corner at the moment. So I ended up just celebrating with the first people who ever showed up and then zone with me. I think it was Ted. Good thing you did all those stadiums so that you uh, had the cardio to get all the way to the end zone, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so switching gears a little bit, later into that 2015 season, you had a little injury. Um, you had a, an acute compartment syndrome for those that have no idea what that is, because I had no idea what that meant. Um, it means blood flow is restricted due to tissue trauma. K.O., can you talk about that injury, your your thought process, and then the recovery? Yeah, that um, – so I was – I think we were playing Oregon at home. It was, like, stormy game. Um, it got delayed. I think like, we had a really late kickoff. Um, I just remember, like, it was a, probably third down or something. Went in to make a tackle, and uh, it was uh, – from boy, Leo. Leo Jackson ended up landing on top of my leg in, like, it just kind of felt like a Charlie horse or a dead leg, um, like right on my calf. Um, I like, no, but I, you know, I thought nothing of it just it happened, you know, kind of leg goes numb a little bit. Um, and that was early. That was like first quarter. So as we like, you know, kept playing, I, I could feel my legs swelling up, like um, kind of just more and more pain. Uh, we went to the locker room at halftime and I told the trainers like how I was feeling, um, and just like monitor it, just keep playing, no big deal. Um, and then coming out of half, they had kind of a long drive, end up scoring, come off the field, and I couldn't feel my foot anymore. Um, it was just completely numb. Went straight to the training staff, let them know. Um, like, all right, we'll just go back, take you to the locker room. And they have to stick like a needle that's like this big, I'd say, to test like the pressure in your leg. Um and he was like, yeah, you, you know, the pressure's built up really high. Uh, you're going to have to have, you know, emergency surgery. Now I'm, now I'm freaked out. Like I've never, never had surgery before. Never been under the knife or anything like that. Um, I don't know. In my mind, I was like, well, maybe my season's over. Nobody really told me like to what extent was going to happen. It just was like, you got to have surgery. Um, and I ended up going to the hospital and uh, they're just like, no, we just got to make either two incisions on your on your um, shin to like let the let you bleed and like the pressure release, um, or we're basically going to cut you from your knee down to your ankle, and you have to kind of let the same thing let you bleed out, let you bleed, and let the pressure pressure go away. But they didn't really tell me like which one it was going to be before I went out, so like 
I woke up in a cast and I was like, all right, so what happened? Like, did you cut me all the way? Like, is it the two small ones? Uh, ended up just being the two small ones. Um, and like, yeah, you should be able to recover, you know, four to six weeks. Um, and you'll be fine. Um, and yeah, and I think like a big shout out to like our CU training staff at the time, like helping me get back to recovery. Like the first week, um, it's kind of tough. Couldn't really do much. Just like in a cast, in a boot, going to physical therapy every day, like trying to get movement back and icing and all that good stuff. Uh, then as time went on, they, with the champion center, there's like uh, an underwater treadmill. It's like they can submerge you down into the pool and you can like run on the treadmill in there and like get movement in. And I was able to do that throughout the week and then use our zero G treadmill, same kind of idea. It like, you can run with like 50% of your body weight. Um, so like it wasn't, it was able to get like cardio and all that stuff and keep working out. Um, and I was able to, you know, recover and I think it was like two, two weeks. I missed two games, um, two and a half weeks. And I was able to play that third game, miss Arizona, Arizona state. And then I, was able to play at Oregon State, which was our first Pac-12 win that year too, which was a um, great way to come back. Uh, and then in the spring going into 2016, it actually, I got it again in the other shin, but it wasn't uh, from getting hit. It just was from exertion. I think probably just from overcompensating from the last time. Um and that one I didn't feel too bad about, you know, being in the spring. And I figured, like, I know it's a two-week recovery, right? Like, I'm just going to do as much as I can to get back on the field as soon as I possibly can. And so it all ended up working out. And I had no issues, you know, moving forward. But definitely a scary time when it first happened because it let me know that, like, if we didn't have surgery and I let the pressure go, I would have ended up possibly either losing my foot or I could get what's called drop foot, where uh, basically when you're walking – uh, your foot doesn't, you can't pick your foot up to like, to like, uh, push off your toes. Like your foot just kind of just would drag on the ground. Or like, it'd be really hard to be able to walk after that. And it was a scary moment, but it just like, you know, it was, I think all oh, that's part of, you know, playing football at that level. So you, you did touch on some of the, the new facilities that helped you through that, uh, through that process, KO. How how big of a difference did that champion center actually make uh, when when that finally got finally built and you guys were able to go in there and spend a lot more time there? Oh, it's huge. Things like state of the art. I mean, the underwater treadmill, the zero G equipment, the hot tubs, the cold tubs, like all of the stuff that they had in there for recovery purposes and even just keeping your body fresh throughout the year was was big time. And I think it I think it definitely played a big role. Like as you know, as eighteen or twenty twenty one years old, you don't really realize it, but I think it it really definitely played a big factor on us and um and even now, like that's a huge thing for recruits. That's that facility is unreal. Like not very many uh, schools have something of that magnitude, and that really will help bring guys in for sure in the indoor facility and everything. It's been amazing to see the national reaction when Coach Prime has been showing off those facilities. People yeah. just had absolutely no idea that, that that type of thing was at Colorado. Yeah. It almost calls into question why, you know, why have you guys been struggling so much in the last few years if you have facilities <laughs> like this? Yeah, it does. It definitely does. Um I I feel like it just it was probably a little bit of like just turnover. I think from Coach Mack leaving to getting some new coaches. It's always hard to kind of, you know, bring in a whole new staff and like start it up. Um, and I'm so I'm very excited to see what Coach Prime does uh, in these next few years. And I mean, he's been able to bring in, I think we had what, maybe one of the best recruiting classes in the Pac 12 and even in the nation, like bringing in five star recruit more than we've ever had. I just, you know, I'm excited to see what he does with the program and, and where he can take it. So it's, it's, I think it's going to be an awesome year this year, the following year, as long as he's there. And even, even the guys after him, I think he's just going to set a bring like CU football back to what it was in the nineties when coach Hagan was playing in those national championship teams for sure. 
Yeah, I'd love to ask, you know, obviously Coach Prime is is the big news um, at Colorado football right now. You know, as far as like the the guys that you played with, um, if you keep in contact with them, you know, what's been your kind of perception about Coach Prime coming into Colorado? Colorado went from, you know, a school that, you know, a lot of people didn't even talk about um, outside of the 2016 season to being, you know, headline news 24-7. Has that been kind of a, a weird experience, um, you know, having obviously played for a school that's kind of um, all over the map? You know, what's kind of the perception about Coach Prime? Um, you know, are the ex-players excited, stuff like that? I think a lot of the guys I've talked to, everybody is really excited. Um, how could you not? I mean, it's one of the best, you know, uh, NFL players to ever step on the field, to ever lace them up. Like, I would, it would have been a dream to play for somebody like Coach Prime. Um, and I think everybody's really excited to see, you know, where he can take the program, what he can do. Um, and I'm sure that puts, you know, a lot of pressure on the guys, but I, like, you know, no pressure, no diamonds. So I think that's huge. I think they have an opportunity to do something that in the past, I don't know, maybe 20 years we haven't been able to do at CU for CU football. So, I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of other guys are. I mean, just look at what we – our attendance for the spring game so far. Like, I feel like we, you know, we had maybe 1,900 people show up. I think last year, I think it was what it said, uh, to – selling all the 30,000 tickets. So it's a lot of, a lot of hype going in. I just, I just hope they live up to it. That's all. And I, I have, I have a lot of faith. So. And for what it's worth, we were at least four of the 1900 that were there. So um, you know, we were there through the thick and thin. I was going to um, say, yeah, we could I mean, probably pick up a selfie of us with you somewhere. I know I have one with you. It's so. a good chance. <laughs> I scanned my ticket seven times. So I think they, they, they those, those numbers are definitely, definitely inflated a bit maybe um one thing that we've talked about in the podcast mm. previously is like the not only the level of talent but like the le- the chip on the shoulder that they're going to come in with so i think mm. i think Sarah's is pointing this out like there are a lot of people counting on Deion sanders to fail at colorado and wanting him to fail mm. so like you were able to like kind of use that chip on your shoulder from like losing um mm in those in those first years to build a winning culture how would you like tell these five-star recruits they how would you tell them to build that winning mentality when there are so many people who are already counting them out and say oh their CU is not going to be back how can you how can you foster that 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 environment I think like you just said it right there just the fact that everyone's doubting them that's that right there is enough to have a chip on your shoulder um that nobody thinks or a lot of people want you to fail I think that in itself is a huge, um, a huge like opportunity for you to want to go out there and perform and prove everybody wrong. Just like we wanted to prove everybody wrong that we were a bad program or a bad team, um, we wanted to show them that we could win. They, they have the talent, they have the ability, they have the facilities, they have, you know, the spotlight. They have a great coaches, coaches beside them. Like everything's set in place for them. You just got to go out there and perform. Just lay it all out there on the line and. And it all fall into place. Like, um, yeah, you just have, you just have to take that that opportunity um, and just run with it, and just you know take it full on. So, following up your spring game comment, are you going to be able to make it out to the spring game this year? No, I don't think I'll make it out this year. Um, but I'll definitely watch or see what's going on. I I do plan on trying to come to some games this year. It might be hard, and you know they'll probably all be sold out. But I'll, I'll see what I can do. So listen to that, CU fans. Do not give your tickets away. Give it a give it to KO. <laughs> I am curious. Um, you know, obviously players come back all the time for games. Um, you know, when you when you come back, you know, obviously the coaching staff has changed, all that kind of stuff. Are they generally pretty good about hooking you guys up, uh, making sure that you can get access, all that kind of or is it is it kind of different now, um, under different coaching changes? Now that so Brian McGinnis was the last Oh, I guess Coach, uh, Coach Hagen was there when I was there. McGinnis was the last kind of person that I would reach out to to get tickets to come to games. Um, but I think, at least for me, it's been it's been pretty good. I haven't had too much of an issue. Um, I don't think most other guys have had too big of a problem either. I know, like as I get older, like I'm, well, I'm six years, seven years out. It's, I feel like it's about time I got to get my own tickets. I know I've put a, given a lot out for CU and a lot, but they've also given me, has given things back to me as well. So I, I can buy a ticket, you know. It's, 
but I, I go into games. I still live in Colorado. Um, so it is always fun to make a trip out to Boulder. Uh, my little sister goes there as well. She's a freshman at CU or, or sophomore now at CU. So it's nice to go see her and, you know, visit and watch games still. And, and to get the other perspective of being in the stands um, and to look, you know, look down or look out at the crowd rather than being on the sideline and stuff. So for sure. So with that, let's uh, let's take a little break and do our draft segment. But Chase, do you want to intro this segment? Yeah, absolutely. So today we'll be drafting uh, best stadiums in the Pac-12. Um, obviously, only one of us has played in them. Um, I think between the rest of us, we've all been to at, at least the vast majority um, of the other stadiums. But um, we'll be doing two rounds because um, there's five of us and only 12, soon to be 10 teams in the Pac-12. Um, you know, who knows the actual number, um, depending on what happens. But uh, with that being said, I think our order today, um, we got to give you know our guest KO first choice. Um, and then it'll go Jake, myself, um, Sam, and then Sirius. So, KO, the floor is yours. Um, we're going to do a snake draft this time. So, you'll be drafting first and you'll be drafting last. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's all you. Uh, this is a tough one. I, I, you know, I want to go with Folsom, but I'm going to go – I'm going to step outside to see you. I'm going to go with Otson. I'm going to go with Oregon. Oh, no, KO. Yeah. That's, <laughs> not, a bad, that's dirty, not a bad pick, man. though. That's not oh, a bad pick. Sreya, stop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, did we oh not have – we're going to talk about 2016. This guy had some fun at Otson. Yeah. So, he's allowed yeah, to true. pick us. True. <laughs> right. Very true. No, it's a good pick, though. That was definitely going to go. Um, you, all right. you can't complain because you're going next. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say. <laughs> you're, you're, pick, you're picking Arizona State. Second right? pick. I'm going to go with <laughs> – Take a wild guess. Folsom Field, baby. The best stadium in college football. Gorgeous view. Gorgeous fans. Phenomenal players. Folsom Field. Yeah. Um, you know, a little upset I didn't get to draft second. I think it was it was a bold but brave choice to take Autzen there at first. Um, I think uh, with Autzen and, and Folsom, you know, I didn't even have Autzen in my top five, um, but I've never been there. So I've, I've heard it's amazing. I've heard the, the, the game day experience is exceptional. Um, I have to say as a fan, um, you know, we, we went out and tried to do a fake card stunt, um, in, in Rice Eccles stadium, um, where it was going to say go buffs. And, you know, we've talked about that in a, in a former podcast, but, um, I thought Rice Eccles stadium was phenomenal, not just because it has the second best view, um, in, in the PAC 12, in my opinion, um, or at least of the stadiums I've been to, but I also thought the fans were absolutely exceptional. I know that's supposed to be a rivalry. I know we're supposed to hate them. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, the fans were just phenomenal. We ended up giving them, we had bought some Utah t-shirts to try to go undercover when we did our card stunt, um, ended up giving them to the fans that we met there just cause they were so cool to us. Um, so I got to go ahead and take rice Eccles there, um, at three. And I'm sure people are going to give me a hard time for, for, uh, trashing on Otson, um, on Twitter, but, um, you know, I, I haven't been there, so I, I plead ignorance, I guess on that. It's tough. Like I, I get where you're coming from and I get why I should pick CU for, or Folsom first, but I just like from the experience of getting to play in all these places, I, I'm just going to go purely based on like the on-field, what I've got to experience there. So, and that big, that big win helps, you know, help put it up there for me. Yeah, so. absolutely. A program defining win. Yeah. Um, but, all right, Sam, you're uh, taking number four overall. Okay. Um, I'm going to pick, a stadium that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, you would, uh, some people argue it is the prettiest. I think it's the second prettiest stadium view you have. You get to see the water. You get to see the trees. There's giant oh, – it's like the size of the stadium are giant. Um, I'm going to pick Husky Stadium in Washington. Nice. And I know, I know the fans are nice because I actually went there and pretended to be a University of Washington fan for a day. And everyone here caught me on one of like, I think we had just scored a touchdown or something. And the camera's like cut to me wearing a University of Washington Huskies jersey. Um, I got caught in 4K, dude. I got caught in, like, it was bad. Yeah. It was, like, <laughs> it was me, the girl I liked, and her boyfriend. It's a long story, but <laughs> a story for a whole different podcast. But yeah, so that's, I'm picking Husky Stadium. It was a great, great experience. Beautiful campus. Um, beautiful, beautiful campus. Um. Yeah. So if Folsom's off the board, I'm taking Husky Stadium. 
I, I think it's pretty telling that Sam said uh, that he was pretending to be a fan, but then said that we scored referencing Washington um, scoring mm-hmm. a touchdown. So that's a know. Freudian slip. No, <laughs> well, 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 Daniel Arias caught a touchdown pass right in front of me, and I accidentally cheered. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So it's me. And I think so. I have I have mixed feelings on this because it's it's legendary. It's an absolutely legendary venue. I love being there. I love being in in the LA area. I have a lot of friends down there. I've spent a lot of time there for work and just had a generally good time. Weather's always pretty good. Uh, but man, like I went to the CU UCLA game a couple of years ago now, and the environment was just rough. It's just it's just sad seeing a quarter full, if not less, stadium. It's such a legendary, gorgeous venue with so much history. But so depending on whether you think it's a uh, overrated or underrated, it could be either a reach or a steal, but I'll take the Rose Bowl. <laughs> well, the good news is you can take the Rose Bowl and draft immediately again, Strange. I know. Snake draft, so. I know. So, so I, admittedly, I'm trying to think of what other stadiums I've been to. So I've been to Corvallis before Corvallis is a really nice town, but they just completely renovated their stadium. So, you know, Reeser stadium is probably a good pick here because it's a sleeper pick. We don't really know what we're working with here. It's it's (laughs) brand new. It could show up next year and just be incredible. I know the buffs just played there with, uh, I think they played their last season and half the stadium was torn down because they're renovating it and stuff, but it could end up being amazing. Corvallis is a really cool town. Uh, I really enjoyed my time out there a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Reeser. Bold so, Rose Bowl and Reeser. I like it. I like that. Thinking on untapped talent there. Am I up now? I think I'm up again, right? Yeah. Okay. So, scrolling through this list, I'm trying to find a stadium that I have positive memories with. And, you know – um, being at CU the last four years, it's hard to find a visiting stadium sometimes that you have positive memories with. So I'm <laughs> going to throw it back. I'm going to pick Stanford Stadium, where we rolled in in 2016 and beat Stanford in like the lowest scoring game. I think. I think ten we to had, five, right? Was it ten to five? Yeah, the yeah. defensive masterpiece. Thanks to KO and, and his defense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm picking that stadium. I'm picking a stadium we've won in recently. As my as my duo, respectable. Um, I think with my second pick, um, you know, I kind of feel bad, Ko. We're not, we're not leaving you a whole lot uh, left on the board once once we get back to you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a school that you know I, I haven't actually been to their stadium, but I respect their program a lot. Um, maybe not their program a lot, but I do respect their fan base. Um, I think it's hard to be a fan of this team. It's unclear if they'll even be in a Power Five conference here after. Um, all this realignment stuff is done, um, but they still you know, support the hell out of their team despite basically being in Idaho. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, take the Cougs over in Martin Stadium. Um, you know, it only has a capacity of just over uh, 33,000 um, people, but um, it always seems like, I don't know, and, and KO, I'd be curious, um, you know, it always seems like it's loud on, on TV, but um, I'm sure it's certainly not nearly as loud as, as Autzen or any of those other stadiums, but um, go ahead and give me Washington State's uh, Martin Stadium. The Cougs, man, you're leaving me with an obvious pick here. I think I got lucky with this falling all the way to me, second to last pick. But I have to caveat it with this is probably my least favorite Pac-12 team, if you can even call them a Pac-12 team. I'm going to go with the Memorial Coliseum, USC Stadium, hosted the Olympics, very famous. Come on, I won this draft, guys. It's over. We'll see We'll see if KO can come through. But. Hey, Rice Eccles had the Olympics, too. There you go. I forget about that. For sure. For sure. Nice one, Jake. So, KO, I think we've left you with the two Arizona schools, um, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm getting it correct. Um, yeah. And Cal. And Cal, yeah. So, yeah, you guys leave me. Not very much. But I, <laughs> being, a, being a Bay Area kid, I went to a whole lot of camps over, at, uh, over there in Berkeley. So, I'm going to go with Cal Memorial. I think another kind of historical stadium especially when oh man when like marshawn lynch was there uh uh, deshaun jackson like aaron Rodgers, aaron Rodgers. but specifically though when like deshaun jackson kids we wanted to go to like a cow camp like you wanted to get an offer from cow just because of those guys um so i'm gonna go with you know california memorial stadium 
one of my favorite things about that stadium is that there's a fault line that goes right to right through the stadium. Mm-hmm. You can actually see the cracks, and but they've had to keep renovating it over the years. But there's literally a fault line, so like half the stadium is moving up, and the other half is moving down. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly a uh, tough day for the state of Arizona in our drafting. But, uh... <laughs> they deserve it. They deserve it. They've done something. Um. Chase, do you want to summarize the picks? I'm going to put you on yeah, on the spot. Ab- do you have them? Absolutely. So uh, KO's got Watson and, and Cal Memorial. Um, you know, now that I've had some space to kind of walk away from the picks, I think that's pretty solid draft there. Um, Jake's got Folsom in the Coliseum. Um, crazy that Jake found a way to just absolutely throw the draft by taking the Coliseum there at the end. Um, I have Utah uh, at Rice Eccles and Martin Stadium in Washington State. Um, Sam's got Husky Stadium, which I you know was maybe the steal of the draft um, with Stanford Stadium as well. Then Trace with the Rose Bowl um, and Oregon State Stadium, whose name is uh, just absolutely slipping my mind at the moment. So uh, that's kind of the draft segment there. Um, Jake, go ahead. Yeah, we'll throw up a a little poll on Twitter and we'll see who won the draft. Um, But with that, a little follow-up to that segment. Kale, I wanted to ask you, what is the top three loudest stadiums that you've played at? Oh, the big house for, for sure, Michigan. Um, I'd say Folsom, like when we fill it up, like when we played Utah, um, and then, oh, I have to go actually research state in Oregon State. Wow. Wow. uh, That is shocking. On like third down, because, you know, the, the Beavers, they would like play a chainsaw noise and like they, these guys would get loud very very loud and what's hard though is like for us and because we weren't all that great you know most of the time so we never got to fill stadiums up i feel like oregon state always showed up for us um false and then Folsom, obviously and in the big house but i'd say a close then a close fourth is it was Otson. like they when they would play that jump around in the third quarter yeah it, it would get loud and they're their, their stadium is similar to Folsom where, like, the fans are right on top of you. Like, the benches are really close to where the fans are. Um, so, like, they they definitely get rowdy in there, and it's, it's awesome to play in there I'm for act- sure. I'm actually curious about that. Do you like that as a player, or are you guys more concerned? Like, there's big safety issues, obviously, with the fans being so close to you guys. So, really quickly, what's your thought on that? I, I mean, college level, I love it. Unless – and, you know, granted, nothing ever happened while I was playing, so that could be why I feel that way. And I'm sure some people didn't enjoy it very much. But, I, like, a, for me, I loved it. Like, I – especially as, a def, like, a defensive guy, like, we want – we're, like, looking for chaos. We want it to be loud. We want it to be rowdy. Like, that's how it feeds into, like, what we're trying to do as a defense. It certainly gave us uh, easy proximity for heckling the other teams as well yeah, during right. warm-ups and stuff like that, so – um, you know, it, a lot of people complain about that at Folsom because Folsom's like just ridiculously um, close. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, made for a more fun experience, at least as a fan. Um, Probably got too much baby powder on our own team, though, at that USC <laughs> game in 2015. <laughs> you remember that, KO? Um, vaguely. Did, did you guys do like the LeBron James? Is that what that was? Or? It was a little we, more extreme. <laughs> we bought a bunch of baby powder, I think, to reignite the marshmallow tradition we tried marshmallows and then we tried baby powder but um i don't know if you know this or not but back in the day they used to throw marshmallows in the CU student section so we wanted to cause some chaos of our own and okay. the whole student section smelled like baby powder for the rest of the game <laughs> so glad, glad you didn't remember it because maybe the players couldn't smell it so that's great yeah. <laughs> um but with that, I also wanted to ask a couple other questions about the Pac-12. We were talking about some of the stadiums and wanted to get your thoughts really quick on the whole conference realignment news. Do you have any opinions on if you want you to stay in the Pac-12, try to get in the Big Ten, Big 12, SEC? Um, I'll start out there. <laughs> uh, as like for the what the Pac-12 is and the history of the Pac-12, I, I think it does suck that USC and UCLA are leaving. Um, but it, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem if we went to like, you know, Big 12, Big 10. Like, I think that would be awesome as well. You know, his, that's where we were previously before coming to the Pac 12. 
Um, I think Colorado's like, just like we're in a unique spot, right? Like we're so close to Texas in the Midwest. So like we still could play those teams and recruit guys from those areas to come play at CU, just like we can recruit guys from the West coast and like play in the PAC 12. So I think we kind of, it presents us like a really unique opportunity for Colorado and whether we stay in like the PAC 12 or we go to the big 10 or the big 12, I think college football is now doing a good job of like, they're just lining up big games just in general, get more viewership. Like I think we should, slow down on like the pay to plays like get the exposure like i love that we played minnesota um that we played tcu i wish we would bring the nebraska game back more often i love that we played michigan um and i think that that was awesome like i really wish we got to play those teams when i was at when i was playing at cu i think regardless of if like you know i think it's like a outmatch but i think it's just like it brings viewership and I don't know, maybe you're a kid in Texas and you know nothing about CU, but you watch them play your hometown team and you're like, oh, Colorado, like maybe I check them out. Maybe I want to go play for CU or something like that. I think it just brings more eyes to all the different. Yeah. And, and so I'm kind of curious off of that, you know, throughout your career, um, obviously you played Michigan. You had um, Colorado State, I think, every year um, while you were there. Were there any, you know, obviously historically our rivals, Nebraska, it's supposed to be Utah now. Were there any games, um, you know, coming from California, uh, the Bay Area teams, what games did you really kind of circle on your calendar looking forward to um, as far as, like, those were the teams that you really wanted to play? Um, I'd say 2016, I circled that Stanford game for sure Um, because my oldest brother Kyle played at Stanford and I was coming home, like, a lot of my hometown friends got to come to the game and watch me play and then – I'd say I probably every year, like I look looked forward to playing USC, uh, Oregon. A lot of those teams that were just like big historical Pac-12 teams and that like when I was in high school, those were the teams that were always, you know, playing the Pac-12 championship, um, playing in New Year's Sixes. So like those are the games that I always looked forward to. So with that, let's talk about 2016 a little bit. I know we touched on it earlier. Um Hey, what what are your favorite memories from that season? Obviously, we talked about the huge Oregon game, your huge play for the Utah game. What kind of stands out for you? Um, yeah, Oregon, Utah. I I I feel like like almost a lot of like that whole season. I mean, I had to be like <laughs> I say that, but the whole season in general, even the way we came out and stomped CSU to start the year off. Um. And then we go to Michigan and we start off hot. Stuff goes down and things kind of take a turn. But I like for for me personally, that game, I was like, all right, we like we can we can compete. Like we're we're definitely up there. We should be able to like win games in the Pac 12 this year. We have a solid defense. Our offense looks good. Like other than losing Cepho, I think we looked great. And then Oregon. Steven Montez comes out and has a monster game on offense, which again, even like more confidence, like, all right, like, all right, maybe we, we, if we don't have several for the year, we got a confident backup in Montez who can sling the ball. Um, offense looked good. Defense came out good. Um, then we took a minor little, you know, setback with SC, I think. Um, but we were still right there. Like we, it was still a very close game. We still competed the, the whole way through. Um, and it just like it just kind of kept climbing from there, and I think it was kind of unfortunate how it ended, but I think we kept climbing throughout the year. Um, uh, and I, you know, the UW game, even then, that first half was like fourteen seven coming out at halftime. You know, like it was still a competitive ball game until we had a couple of things go just kind of go wrong in the second half, starting off the second half. But I still had confidence in our team, like throughout even the Oklahoma State game same thing we go into halftime I think 14-7 or some, something real similar to that like um and it just kind of took a turn but I think we just overall like as, as a team like we kind of stuck together we stuck it out and like we just grinded all year 
And um, or go ahead, Sam. Yeah, this is just a, a question to anybody, really. But this was the year that the CSU quarterback like ran for a first down when they were down by like forty five <laughs> yeah. points, and then did the uh, the arm celebration the first down. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's great. It's a great gif. <laughs> I still, I still love watching that gif because <laughs> immediately after he does the first down celebration, it pans to the score. <laughs> hey, oh, did you guys notice that? What was your guys' reaction? Um, I didn't, I didn't notice it until after the game, and like I saw all the memes and the videos. Um, but actually, going back to your question about who I like, games I circled. Um, CSU was one I circled because before I even like thought about coming to see you, or before I had even got any offers, when I was in high school, I came out to Fort Collins with my dad. We went to like a football camp. And I specifically remember like hearing from a coach being like, eh, we don't think, you know, you're good enough or we don't think you're, you know, so like warrant an offer or anything like that. Like, you know, Love just, that. Wow. Love that. Yeah. That, that pick six must've felt. Uh, so, so like, yeah, and I was like, yeah, every year, man, every year, just being salty about it. Like every year I wanted to beat them. Um, same. I mean, like same way how I felt with Stanford, my brother went there. Not that like nobody, I never told me like I wasn't good enough to play there. Like I just didn't get an offer. It just didn't work out that way. But I just wanted to beat them, and so I could rub it into my brother's face always. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'd kind of love to hear. Obviously, um, you had some time in the NFL. Um, you know, what what was kind of your post football um, experience? You know, was it obviously you know playing bowl game, playing on ESPN, all that kind of stuff? You know, what, what was it kind of like post football or you know post? Colorado, uh, how was that experience? Yeah, it was awesome experience. Um, so, like, right after, after obviously after the 2016 season, played in the Shrine game, which was awesome. Like, that's, you know, other than the Senior Bowl, that's the next highest level of yeah. all-star game that they put together. So And like, it was you, Akello, Tedrick, right? Me, yeah, I think Akello didn't play, ended up playing, but it was me, Tedrick, and uh, Tupo, Josh okay. Tupo. Cool. Um so getting to step out on the field one more time with those guys um, and to put on, you know, CU helmet again with that sticker with the Ralphie on the side and getting to play at that level was awesome. Like those are all guys that were going to end up, you know, either get drafted or play in the NFL and getting to compete with like some of the best of the best. It was, you know, once in a lifetime experience. And then following that, um, you know, when trained for pro day, did the whole pro day thing, ended up, signing with the Browns um, and getting to go to training camp. And that, that was like eye-opening experience for sure. Um, you know, being in the locker room with like Joe Schobert, who ended up being, you know, all, an all, uh, all pro that year going to the Pro Bowl. Um, being in the locker room with Jamie Collins, who is an absolute monster, by the way, like, the most probably one of the most athletic human beings I've ever been around. Miles Garrett was the first overall pick, and like seeing that guy perform and line up with that guy like in front of me was unreal, unreal experience for sure. And then getting to step on the field um, in the preseason with like Eli Manning, Odell Beckham, um, all even though when we played the Saints, like watching Alvin Kamara. Adrian Peterson and Drew Brees didn't play that game, but still, like, getting to see them on the sideline or after the game on the field, uh, Jameis Winston, just, like, all guys that I watch on Sunday, and I'm man, like, I got to compete with those guys. Like, I, I got to be on the same field as them, um, something that will live on forever. Like, the competitor to me, like, yeah, it sucks that I, you know, I'm not playing football still, but it's still, like, I did go really far, you know, it was a dream come true. Yeah, it's amazing. But you also got to play with a bunch of those studs at CU, right? Is, like Chino awesome. and yeah. and Tupo. Do, do you still keep in touch with any of those guys? There's a number of them are still in the league. Yeah, I still keep in touch with Chino a little bit. Um, speaking of, I need to reach out to Tupo. I haven't talked to Tupo in a while. Um, but yeah, and even like, I think uh, Isaiah Oliver – uh, still playing. Ooh, who else we got? Um, I didn't. Hello. I mean, I didn't really play with Lavisca and Nate Landman, but uh, I think uh, 
Is, uh, is Akello still in the league? Akello, yeah. I think, yeah, the Steelers should be, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, Phil, even uh, a lot of, you know, just a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of dudes, right? Like a lot of guys that went out there and are still competing at a high level and always competing at a high level. It's awesome to watch them play. Um, you know, you know, wish them the best all the time. Like I, sucks that Chilo, you know, the Bengals ended up winning the Super Bowl, but it was sick to see Chilo get a pick, like. Un- unreal to kind of like watch someone that you're that close with, like, you know, that you grinded with to get to be competing at that level, um, at the highest stage. So, yeah. And then post NFL, um, we were talking before the podcast. Congrats on getting engaged, KO. You want to update the listeners on what you're up to now? Uh, yeah. So, uh, um, right now I have my own business. Actually, I do remodels. I'm going to my shameless plug here. Uh, KBO Builders. I do right now just bathrooms and uh, bathrooms and basements, kind of just full gut renovations. And then full time, I work for Lennar Home, you know, building production homes uh, out here in Aurora right now. Yeah, so I just, you know, the I guess the the non the non athlete life again, like living the adulthood life now. Um, and if if I could, like, if I could find the time, I would love to coach like either high school football or something. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still, I still, you know, enjoy watching football. So have that competitive nature in me. Like when we go work out with my fiance, my fiance Meredith and I, when we go work out, like it's hard to turn that off. Like it's hard to not want to be the best lifting the most weights or doing whatever it is that we're, you know, doing. So. Absolutely. I just want to give a, a quick shout out. Um, anyone that's listening is, is interested. The, the website's kbobuilders.com. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> very cool i have a question do you still keep in touch with coach mac um i had the last time i talked to him might have been a year ago um i think he was he was still at memphis i keep in touch with um his name is nate nate tay he was a quality control a coach when i was at cu and and so I, I was talking to him on the phone and coach mac was there so we like we talked for a little bit but la- last year, two years ago, um, my older brother Kyle, they were moving out to to Dallas, and so Meredith and I went to a, a SMU game. So we saw Chidera Uzo Uribe, who's Georgia's uh, li- outside linebackers coach, and then uh, Coach Levitt also. So I got to sit down with them. Like <laughs> Coach Levitt asked me, like on Sunday, I was in their facility all day, like I was a player again. We were watching. He made me watch film. We watched film together. We like. I was in their defensive meeting with him. Like, <laughs> so it was. It was cool to be, like, act like I was back there again. Um, yeah. How many uh, Pepsi's did Coach Lovett finish before uh, the day was he, done? He had like a little fridge in there with all his Pepsi's. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was gonna ask who who is your favorite assistant coach at CU. Um. Scott, other than, I guess, Coach Levitt, since he was a, our D coordinator, other than him and Nate, um, Coach Clark, I did, I liked Coach Clark. He was a DB's coach. Um, I got along really well with him because um, he also another San Jose State guy. So I knew him for a while. And uh, he, he had like a really, because he was a younger coach, he would be out there in his cleats like, Trying to act like he still had it, like he could still play, <laughs> but it was it was awesome to have him out there as well. Like he was he was definitely a good. It's always good to have a good balance of like older coaches who can give you like a kind of like experience and like a wealth of knowledge, and then those younger coaches that will just like just kind of some people you could relate to a lot easier. For sure. Do you have any fun stories of, of road trips or do you have any fun memories off the field with your teammates? Oh, absolutely. Um, other than like, just like being in the locker room with these guys, I would say, so when we would do, uh, when we would travel for road trips, you know, we had the offensive bus and then we had the defensive bus in the back of the bus. We had like, <laughs> it was almost like a seating chart, but like, like, Josh Tupo's in the very back with him and Tedrick. And we had like Cheeto, 
Akello, um, Nick Fisher, me, Ryan Severson, Tim Coleman, um, like Travis Tango, and like it was just like constant, just being a bunch of clowns back there all the time. Like um, those, those are like the moments that when people ask me, like, what do I miss about football? That's what I, other than playing, you know, that's what I miss the most is like being on the road trips with those guys with like your, these are, these people are your brothers. Like you've been, you're with them 24 seven, like always going through things together. Those were like the moments that were easily the best. Um, Even like after like a hard summer workout, like we're all sitting there in the locker room and everybody just looks defeated and then someone says a joke or something to get like I bring the mood back up and we're like, all right, like, yeah, we can, we can do this. We're all right. Like it was just a couple of sprints. No big deal. Who's uh, that guy? Who's the, who's the jokester on the team? We had Jaleel, Jaleel Aweenie, easily one of the biggest jokesters. Um, uh, well, let me think. Probably. And then like Addie and Rick and then Tim Coleman probably, I think was one of the easily the biggest jokester on the defense um, by far. Cool. Yeah. Actually, question for you guys. Do you guys watch like the XFL or the USFL or any of those leagues that have been starting up? Oh yeah, I've been watching some X- XFL games. They're actually very entertaining, I think. I think the I think the Rock's doing a good job. Like I think um because I I played in the the AAF, which was 2017 or 2018-2019. But I think the Rock is doing a great job of bringing that league back. And I honestly, for the sake of guys like who maybe don't get a chance and need the exposure, I hope these leagues stick around. Uh, USFL as well. Like this is a good chance for people to get a another opportunity. Other than the CFL, like I feel like in Canada was the only other option before, but now there's three different leagues. Like you can still you can still get to play ball and compete and keep that dream alive again to the next level. It's yeah, good. I think I saw. Didn't the um I think the St. Louis team for the XFL sold out their entire bottom bowl or something like that. So there's like, you know, you go to these cities that don't necessarily have an NFL team and there's right. there's quite a bit of support, you know, especially in the summer. Um, you know, it's crazy that no one's been able to succeed, but you know, the rock is one of those guys that can just, just do that. I feel like so. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and it's like, I think if they just got to stick it out for like a little bit longer and it'll get better. Right. Like it's just hard in the beginning to get it off the ground and get it going the way they want it to. Isn't Steven Montez in one of those leagues or no? It's Seattle. Yeah, he's in Seattle. There you go. Yeah. Yep. And and right. I think that Seattle. The the I think I was watching Seattle Vegas. I think last week super entertaining game it was back and forth. They have three point conversions. They have this yeah. crazy uh, fourth quarter fourth and twenty five rule or something where you can instead of an onside kick you can go yeah. It's it is super entertaining football. I, I really enjoyed, you know, I really enjoyed uh, that. I really hope it continues to take off and they can expand too. It's a great. It would be a great minor league. I think you've seen guys make it from the XFL back into the NFL too, right? Wasn't there yeah, a quarterback? Yeah, PJ Walker maybe. PJ Walker and then um, the Cowboys returner. Uh, he went to TCU. Turpin. Yeah, Turpin. Yeah. It's also one of those things I'm curious, you know, like obviously with the practice squads in the fall, but, you know, if I'm a guy that's playing on a practice squad and then I can go play, you know, XFL, I, I'm not sure how the contracts work as far as that's concerned, but it'd be cool if, you know, people that are on practice squads could get some reps. Um, you know, I don't know if that's going to do, do your body, um, but yeah. definitely yeah. some cool opportunities. <laughs> yeah. If they, if they could figure out a way to like make it work like that. Yeah. It would be, it would be a great opportunity for guys like, stay in like playing football shape or like in the mindset rather than just like practicing. Yeah. I know every other major pro sport in North America has kind of a minor league system going on. You know, baseball has actually been taking a lot of heat lately for cutting out some of those minor league levels Mm because for a long time, people could actually have sustainable lives from it for some amount of time in their early, you know, early to mid twenties. Mm-hmm. But they've been they've been cutting all that stuff out. I, I hate that for the smaller towns around the country. You know, I have a lot of friends in Huntsville, Alabama, mm-hmm. and they have a minor league team in Huntsville called the Rocket City Trash Pandas. And they absolutely love the Rocket City Trash Pandas there. <laughs> and I could easily see. So I know how much they love football down there. 
they absolutely love football in the South. It's especially college football. It's like religion to them. I could definitely see a minor league or an XFL or something like that absolutely taking off there and becoming like a center of the community. And I love that part of the game, right? Bringing people together in small, smaller communities. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's been kind of in the back of my mind for a while now, but it's great to see that kind of take off. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. Like those small towns, it's it's gives people something to do, something to look forward to. And just, I think, I mean, I'm trying to think of, I think the salary for the XFL and USFL is pretty, it's pretty sustainable. I think they're making a decent amount of money. Like as like a first, same as, or even more than like a first, you know, entry level job. So like, it's, I think it's worth it for sure. So with that, let's wrap this up. Teo, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Loved hearing your insight and just getting that inside scoop. Really had a great time chatting with you tonight. Oh, thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. Um, it's always good to be able to chat chat about football and see buffs football as well and just sports in general. So, We're signing off. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh.